I'm Reverend Al Sharpton, and you're listening to Conversations with Reverend Terry K. Anderson. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. I'm here with my good friend and brother, Reverend Al Sharpton. He and I uh, have been working together in National Action Network, and he's known, of course, all across America, all across the country, all around the world for his civil rights work. And Reverend, just give us a, a snapshot, a, a 30,000 foot look at how you got started in ministry and in civil rights. Well, I started uh, as a boy preacher in uh, the Church of God in Christ. My parents were members and I was a member of the Junior Usher Board. And they asked me when I was four years old, they asked me and some of the other youngsters, about 20 of us, what we wanted to do for Junior Usher anniversary. I said, I wanted to preach. <laughs> And uh, Bishop Washington, who pastored Washington Temple Church of God in Christ, said, let him preach. And I preached and been preaching ever since. I started doing youth days. By the time I was seven, I was on the road as the boy preacher and even did some uh, uh, sermons before Mahalia Jackson on the road. <laughs> and so uh, I grew up a preacher. When I was 12, uh, by then my parents had broke up and uh, we had moved my mother and sister and I to the projects. And I... Didn't go out with a lot of other kids. I watched the news a lot because being a preacher, you it's awkward. Right. And uh, I got in, in, enticed with watching Adam Clayton Powell and what was going on in civil rights in New York and Dr. King in the South. And my mother was concerned I was going to leave the ministry. Mm -hmm. She wanted me to be a Kojic bishop. <laughs> and she brought me to Bishop Washington. And he said, I know what to do. And he brought me to Reverend William Augustus Jones. Okay who headed Dr. King's organization in New York. I was 12 years old. And he says, uh, Bill, I want you to look out for this young man. Keep him in the church because you y'all are the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Mm -hmm. Keep him in the church. But uh, he wants to be in activism. And I've been an activist preacher ever since, mm -hmm. mentored by uh, Bill Jones and Jesse Jackson, who is mm -hmm. national director. And that's how I got started. Mm -hmm. Never got off that track. Now, you didn't, did you meet Dr. King personally? I saw Dr. King... Twice. He came to my church, Washington Temple, uh, to do a rally, and I was brought in the office, said hello. And then what a lot of people don't understand, you know uh, a church history, when he was stabbed, everyone remembers he was stabbed autographing books, uh, his first book, Stride Toward Freedom, and, and uh, he's, he was uh, dealt with uh, at Harlem Hospital. Mm -hmm. He recovered in Brooklyn at the home of Dr. Sandy Ray. Yeah. And Dr. Ray lived on President Street. Mm -hmm. My pastor, Bishop Washington, lived right across the street. Okay. So I saw him there, and I had no idea. Now, I'm like six, seven, eight years old. Mm -hmm. I had no idea who uh, Sandy Ray was in mm -hmm. terms of prominence or Dr. King, but mm -hmm. I saw him twice, but I did not work with him. The generation ahead of me, John Lewis, Jesse, and them, who mm -hmm. were like 12, 13, 14 years older than me, Work with Dr. King. I was very close with his wife, mm -hmm. and Martin III and I worked very closely mm -hmm. together. Uh, but the thing that was interesting to me, uh, for a lot of your listeners that are church oriented, is when I was growing up in Brooklyn, Dr. Sandy Ray, who they should Google up, mm -hmm. Dr. Gardner Taylor, mm -hmm. who was uh, the Prince of Preachers, right. Bishop Washington, Reverend William Jones, all lived on the same block. Wow. on President Street. Wow. So I grew up in the environment of running between these houses, playing with the kids mm -hmm. of those, because uh, uh, they were my age, having no idea who they were until mm -hmm. I got older. Right. So if you grow up in an environment mm -hmm. of, of 
of, of people that are that excellent, it makes you reach for higher ground as normal because right. you grew up in that environment. Mm -hmm. And I thank God I had a single mother that understood uh, if she put me in the right environment, right. being that my father left, I would grow right. Right, right. What, what, what moved you towards the civil rights, or your civil rights activism? I think what moved me was not only was I captured by watching it, uh, the fact that when my father and mother were together and we had a nice home and a and, uh, uh, big Cadillac car and all of that, and living in Queens, New York, and then when he left, and we went to the Bron uh, to Brooklyn. Uh, the difference in zip codes showed me the difference in services. Cause where I lived in Queens, they picked up the garbage every day. When we got to the project, they picked it up once a week. Mm -hmm. uh, when I start seeing the disparity in how they treat you according to zip code, I think that's what got me involved in those mm -hmm. issues. Um, you you were involved uh, with the Operation Breadbasket with. Jesse Jackson? Yeah. When I was 12 and my mother brought me to Reverend Jones, uh, Reverend Jones was the head of SCLC Operation Breadbasket in Brooklyn. He introduced me to Jesse, and they made me the youth director of the New York chapter mm -hmm. of uh, Operation Breadbasket. Mm -hmm. So Jesse and Bill Jones were my mentors in social justice. In many ways, I tell Jesse now that uh, he's the reason I never wanted to pastor, because Jesse never passed. Right. Jesse just was at large, so I, that's the kind of ministry I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I teased T.D. Jakes and tell him if I had not met Jesse and Bill Jones when I was 12, I'd have been T.D. Jakes. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved uh, 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 the, the social justice right. movement, and I think God has a way of putting us on our path. Mm -hmm. What was one of the most momentous occasions? I know you and I talked about it once before when you went to South Africa when Nelson Mandela mm -hmm. was elected. Along with that, uh, talk to us about that and some other high points, significant points in the civil rights struggle for you. Uh, well, Mandela was a significance because when we had started marching in the 80s about free Mandela, I don't know that any of us ever thought we'd see him free. Mm -hmm. Many thought he would die in jail. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be there uh, when uh, Mandela won that election, the first election in the history of South Africa, Wyatt T. Walker, who was uh, the executive director of Martin Luther King, who became the first chairman of the board of National Action Network, a board you served mm -hmm. on, now took us as election observers, about 12 of us. And uh, Mandela won that election. To be there in the courtyard in Johannesburg and see them lower that anchor, that uh, flag with the hammer and and, and that represented the apartheid mm -hmm. and raised the flag at ANC. Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever uh, experienced anything like that to be there that night. And the only thing equal that is sitting on the platform looking at a black hand of Barack Obama <laughs> on the Bible of Abe Lincoln and Martin Luther King being sworn in as president. Mm -hmm. And it's not only just a personal thrill, Dr. Anderson, but to think of all of those that I grew up under that I got to know that never got to see that right. day. And that never uh, imagined that Mandela would be president mm -hmm. or that a black would be president here. It gave me the strength to keep going, mm -hmm. knowing you will win. Every once in a while, there'll be a breakthrough. Right. And you, I use those days to keep me driven right. now. So, yes, you're going to have more rivers to cross, which I preached at mm -hmm. your church, but there is a promised land. Mm -hmm. One of the 
I, I don't remember sermons well, particularly my own, but what, what sermon can you remember that you heard Bill Jones or Gardner Taylor or Y.T. Walker or any of the, the, the legends of preaching preach that, that you still remember? Well, I, I, I certainly always will remember Y.T. Walker used to uh, uh, preach a sermon about uh, the, uh, the cross-bearer, if mm-hmm. he could talk. Mm-hmm. And he would preach a sermon about what the, young, the man that helped the cross, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, bear his cross. I remember that sermon. Uh, I remember uh, Bill Jones, uh, uh, who I loved as a preacher, mm-hmm. uh, had a sermon he preached about Amos. He loved Amos of Tekoa. That was mm-hmm. the prophet. And Gardner Taylor, I mean, almost everything he preached, <laughs> you want to remember. Uh, but uh, Gardner Taylor preached about the courage to change. Mm-hmm. And uh, only Gardner Taylor could deliver it in a way that uh, would impact you and inspire you at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think the genius of Taylor, to me, is that Taylor wasn't a hooper. Right. And he didn't have to. Right. You know, uh, uh, some folk, you know, preach for the clothes. Mm-hmm. Taylor didn't have to go through all of that, right. just his sermon. Right. And I'll never forget uh, that uh, he did the eulogy at Sam Proctor's funeral mm-hmm. at Abyssinia Baptist Church where Sam Proctor had been pastor. And uh, I'll never forget when he uh, was going to the climax mm-hmm. of his sermon, he looked down at the casket and said, Sam, Sam, we were young preachers together, mm. used to travel together. He says, and as the years went by, we didn't travel too much together, but we'd see each other across the concourse at the airport. And I'd wave to you and you'd wave to me and you'd go for your flight and I'd go for mine, never even talking. Mm. He said, I got word the other day <laughs> that your flight landed before mine. He said, but don't leave the airport, Sam. He said, my flight is already on the board. I'll be there soon. He said, wait for me by baggage, and let's go see Jesus together. Doc, I mean, that sermon, must, the eulogy must have been 20 years ago. I but I never forgot that. I Doc, know. you must have had 500 preachers there. All of us were shouting. Because uh, that was Garnet. And never hooped, never Nobody went into a sing song, just did it, yeah. and turned around and sat down. That Nobody was Garnet. Like Nobody. <laughs> what is the National Action Network? What what things are going on right now that the listeners might want to get involved in? We we are uh, we just had a meeting last Friday with President Biden. Uh, with eight uh, what they call uh, the legacy organizations, National Action Network, NAACP, Urban League, uh, eight leaders, and we laid out that one we're concerned about voter protection. We wanted a commitment from him that if we drive to get the black vote out particularly in tight states like Georgia, Mm -hmm. like Texas, Mm -hmm. like North Carolina, like South Carolina, that if we get two to three more senators, that he will reintroduce the John Lewis voting bill Mm -hmm. and that he will uh, reintroduce the George Floyd uh, Justice and Policing Act. He did sign an executive order, Mm -hmm. but executive order goes out with the president. We need the law. We need federal law. A lot of people don't know, uh, Dr. Anderson, that Emancipation Proclamation is nothing but an executive order. Mm-hmm. Slavery was not totally illegal till the 13th Amendment. Right. We need those laws, so we on them about that. This coming Thursday, uh, there is the uh, We Stand Together uh, a summit that we call for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I call for it from Buffalo, the Anti-Defamation League, and 
the Latino uh, LULAC group, mm -hmm. Asian group, and all have come in with us, and Biden is, is hosting it for us at the White House. Mm -hmm. We're going to ask for federal legislation on hate crimes and what they did, and nobody's been more uh, 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 vociferous in advocating for that, in Uvalde. Right. We must stand against urban terrorism and criminalize it and punish it. That's right. And we must deal with the two things that they did get passed that it be dealt with correctly. That is the infrastructure bill mm -hmm. and the inflation reduction bill. Mm -hmm. What do I mean fairly? When you see neglect in cities like Jackson, Mississippi, right. like Flint, like parts of, Buff uh, right. of uh, Houston, mm -hmm. you've got to disproportionately give funds to who was disproportionately impacted. That's right. So if you've got infrastructure money, we need that infrastructure money in Houston mm -hmm. and in Jackson mm -hmm. and in Flint. Mm -hmm. And you can't give the equal proportion to Beverly Hills that never was neglected. Right. So we on that. Right. And we're on the same with the inflation uh, reduction bill. A large part of that is climate change. Well, the worst of the toxic dumps was put in our communities, mm -hmm. which is why young black children have a higher asthma rate than right. others. Not right. that that's hereditary or genetic. Mm -hmm. That's because we breathe poison air. That's right. And we need that bill to move those toxic waste mm -hmm. dumps out. So we're on that broad agenda with the president. And not only do we need uh, funds to come to the community, but with the inf infrastructure a bill. We need the jobs that will go along with that. And the contracts. And the contracts. We need the jobs. We need the contracts. And and that's what I've been on them about. Tell me who's the contract. That's right. You got contractors in Houston that know how to mm -hmm. do this work. Mm -hmm. You know contractors in, in Jackson, Mississippi that could do this work. And the community conduits. One of the things, and, and that's why I'm so honored that Dr. Richardson chairs our board and you're on it and, and, and Ralph West and mm -hmm. others is that we are unapologetically black church-based. Right. We have some that are not preachers on the board, but two-thirds of our board is that. You have got to, Mr. President, Mr. Congressman, Mr. Senator, work with the black church. We are still the strongest mm -hmm. institution in the black right. community. People say it's not what it used to be. It's still stronger than anything out here. We're the only <laughs> right. one that convenes more black Americans than anybody. Right. If you let the pastors help advise and be a conduit, we know the business, man. Right. We know the difference between those with noise and those that have real right. content. Right. The Bible, as you know, is a living book. The Word of God is a living book. And right now, people are using uh, the Bible erroneously to come up with all kinds of schemes and methods. Trump was holding the Bible in front of that church uh, after he cleared Lafayette Park. As preachers of the gospel as ministers of the gospel, as heralds of the gospel, where do you see preaching going in the next 10, 15, 20 years? I think that we must uh, preserve and protect and extol prophetic ministry. Uh, we have gone through a period of just prosperity ministry mm -hmm. and materialism, and I think it has run its course. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, and if I were to look from prophetic lenses, I think God allowed a uh, MAGA movement and mm -hmm. Trump to take away the allure of us feeling that just do it, getting material things mm -hmm. is going to liberate us. Mm -hmm. And I'm not against material. Right. We should live as good as we can, mm -hmm. but we should not forget speaking an eternal word of justice mm -hmm. and fairness. And I think that we're going to go back into that. Some 
uh, will embrace it coming forthright. Others are going to be backed into it. Mm-hmm. But these uh, bigots and, 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 and right-wingers will give us no choice That's right. to have to speak a prophetic word in these confusing times. I, I'm, I was watching Ed Young on TV the other day, and he's gotten himself into some controversy over uh, the Democratic machine here in, this, in the state of Texas in the city of Houston. And some people were, and, and he was right when he said that there is no separation between church and state. That's a Thomas Jefferson right. statement. That's not in the Constitution. Right. And so tax-exempt status has been jeopardized because they try to keep us from talking about politics. But the sermon you preach today, everything is political. Right. Every, every aspect of life is political. We make political choices every day. Jesus was political. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel being thrown in the lion's den. Uh, Pharaoh's decision to to enslave the Egyptians, I mean the Hebrews, was a political decision. That's right. And then his letting them go was a political decision. And then the economists in Egypt decided that we can't make these bricks without straw. Right. So what what is your assessment post-pandemic of what the church needs to be doing. And the church be must doing. be active in, in the broader sense of the political climate and must stand up on those issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, the church may not be where you come in and tell a member, you've got to vote for who I want, but they certainly got to raise the political mm-hmm. issues. Everything that we do is a political decision. Mm-hmm. I tell people, you know, as you know, we have rallies every Saturday morning in, in Harlem at our national headquarters. I tell people every week, the clothes you wear were approved by federal regulators that said you can sell those clothes. Right. The food you eat was approved by FDA. Mm-hmm. People can't just sell food. Mm-hmm. They, FDA do that. So you eat and wear. Your underwear was decided by some <laughs> politicians. How are you not going to get up and address the political mm-hmm. issues and who's going to have the political power? Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's moving. I think now pre-pandemic church and post-pandemic church, everything has been sped up 10 years. Right. And I think God has sent this crest of a wave for us to ride. And if we don't, uh, we gonna, it won't come back for another 100 years. I think you're absolutely right. People got used to not coming to the church. And uh, they, I, I know churches that still... There's more in, 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 in their virtual ministries attending than in the church. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unless we have a poignant, relevant word that touches right. the people, it won't be back. This right. is going to be the test. And I see around the country, like uh, Lily Grove, those churches have a strong spiritual base, mm-hmm. but addresses the people's need have come back quickly. Right. Others that have been more ceremonial right. and, and, and uh, more like pageantries. Right. Uh, hard to come back right. because people do not need that when they're in the middle mm-hmm. of some serious threat to, right. to their existence. Thank you so much, Reverend Sharpton, Thank for joining you. us. We're glad to have you. God glad to be you. with you always. Thank you so much for listening.